Greetings, Retreat Church. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, turn to uh, Acts chapter 8, and we're going to be looking at some wonderful stuff there. I think today is going to be very encouraging for you, um, and I, it was for me as I studied this text, because I know that for me, right now, leading our church, it feels like our church is kind of like scattered all over the place. It feels like um, we don't get to see each other very much. Our small groups, we're doing, some of those are going very well, um, and, but our gatherings on Sunday, it feels Kind of like we, we come together and then say goodbye to each other real quick because we're so used to having a meal together after church and doing those things. And it kind of feels like our church is, is somewhat scattered. But you know what? Um, that can be, if we use it to our advantage, it can be a wonderful thing as long as it doesn't um, become the thing and doesn't um, force people to kind of say, well, I guess there's no need for me to actually go and be physically with my brothers and sisters in Christ because I can just, you know, listen to the sermon online, participate in worship, have my kids gather around and do their lesson, and to do those things. It, it can have, we got to be careful with this season in the church because it can be so, so powerful and so, so great that we don't want it to have a negative effect and cause it to, to miss out on things and people that, that need the kind of community that, that is presented and provided when people can gather together, especially for those new believers that um, need to meet people that aren't really in their circle of influence. They, they need a new circle of influence. You know, they need a new community to step into and to help them deal with those steps of their early faith with Jesus. And in many ways, the, the church is scattered, but if we do it right, I believe this could be a wonderful opportunity for the church. So I want to talk to you guys about that today. It's very interesting in the book of Acts chapter 8, the church, the first century church, is referred to as being scattered. Now this church was being scattered because there was persecution. And you know that in chapter 7, um, Stephen was executed at the end of that chapter. And then um, it said that Saul, then Saul who you and I more know as Paul the Apostle, he was breathing out threats against the church. He was going from house to house and dragging men and women off to prison for being Christians, for following Jesus, for preaching the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. And so the church was then scattered. But you know, the, the Jews used this word scattered for, for two different kinds of ways. They, they would talk about being scattered as ashes. You know, something is, is some person or something has, has died and the ashes are spread. That's a, that's a finality. That's a death. That's a cease to exist kind of way of being scattered. And then also, they would, because of their agricultural society, they would speak of scattered as in scattering seed. And when, a, when seeds are scattered, they produce, right? They produce growth, and they produce life, and, and then they reproduce. And, and Jesus once, we'll talk about in a few minutes, talked about a seed going into the ground and dying and then producing growth. And so when we're thinking about the church today, and as, as much as, as I'm pastoring our local church, I feel like we're, we're, the members of our church are kind of out there a little bit, but it's provided so many wonderful opportunities. So many people have now begun to join our services and, and, and receive the Word of God um, online because of what we're doing. And so if you are one of those that don't live anywhere near our church and you're participating online, we're glad that this scattering of our local believer has meant we get to connect with you and share the Word of God with you. And that is, that is a wonderful thing. So how do we really become that church and those people that are scattered like seed instead of being scattered like ashes? Well, 
I think Philip gives us a wonderful example in Acts chapter 8. Let's look at Philip for a moment. The first four verses of the chapter really form the context of Philip's ministry. You'll see Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 1, says, And Saul approved of his execution, that's Stephen, and there arose on that day a great persecution across the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria and throughout Samaria, except for the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made a great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So there is the the context for Philip's ministry. So we have this broad idea of what was going on in Jerusalem, in the church, and what was happening is they were being literally scattered all over the place. So the context, obviously persecution, right? It was heavy, and most people believe, and so do I, that the church in America, we have no idea what persecution is like. We are not being persecuted. Um, we, we, we're not being that at all. I, I know that there's much discussion over dealing with what we're dealing with today in the church, but that let's not call that persecution. We can call it other things perhaps, but, but not persecution. They were a scattered church as we've been talking about. They were also, the church leaders remained in danger, so you'll notice that the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. That was still, for a time, the, uh, the, the center of the church where, where the authority kind of came out from, and so your leaders were still remaining there, remaining in danger. And then to top it all off, they were mourning the death of, the, of this man, Stephen, who had become so prominent in the church. And so they were dealing with a lot of those things. One note that I'd like to share with you on regarding Stephen says that the seed of Stephen planted in the ground of Jerusalem is still bearing fruit to this very day. To most men, Stephen's death seemed premature, taking him in his prime, but to God, Stephen's death was sovereignly decreed before the foundation of the world so that in his demise might play a crucial role in the divine plan of redemption. Boy, what a, what, what a hard thing to kind of swallow, isn't it, for us? Because in our life we have our perspective that is, is kind of narrow because we're finite beings, you know, we're beginning, <laughs> and we can't see all of history unfold. The, the people living in the first century weren't going to know, weren't seeing us stand here today and, and listen and, and talk about him today, and, and they couldn't see the far-reaching effects of what Stephen's life was going to mean. What they understood was their loved one was gone. That's what they understood, and that that really hinders us today, doesn't it? So when you, when you start talking about a persecuted church, a scattered church, leaders remaining in, in Jerusalem, but then it really hits home when you start talking about a loved one being lost. And for some, for some that's just too much. For, for some, that, that kind of heartache, when it hits home like that, um, it, it forces them to ask a lot of questions for their life, and I think that that's the time in our life when, when tragedy like that hits a family, when tragedy like that hits a, a heart. The scattering is very easily defined as a scattering of ashes, a scattering of a death, of a death of our faith, a death of our pursuit of holiness, a, 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 a death of our wanting to be part of a church community, and we just kind of give up. And, and in this place, 
It's very real pain, very real sense of loss. But in this divine plan of God, these folks, including Philip, which he's our example today, they continued to preach the gospel wherever they went because there was a faithful within this big mess that we've described. There was a faithfulness in preaching the gospel. Among all that was taking place in Jerusalem over this time, the corporate kind of push and the scattering, the community under this kind of duress, but then the the at-home feeling of in your heart having lost a loved one, yet in all of that there was a faithfulness in preaching the gospel. The Enduring Word commentary puts it this way, those who were scattered were not official leaders, nor were they called what we would call today vocational ministers. They were, or can be described as, accidental missionaries. They didn't have a, a ministry plan. They didn't have a, a, a vision, a mission statement. They didn't have core values. They didn't have strategies. They didn't have models. They didn't have all those things. They didn't have time for all of that. Those things are good. It's meaningful. But they didn't have time for all that. They were thrust out of their homes to, due to this, this persecution. And as they went out, they found themselves to be in a position where they were preaching the gospel faithfully to a people that were not their own, in places that were not their own. And many of us, I may find ourselves in those places in these days in which we live to where we didn't plan on being where we are. We didn't set out on a journey to get to our current destination, but where we find ourselves today quite in fact may make us accidental missionaries. And so when we look directly now, when we look pan a little closer, get not pan, but get a little closer to this situation, we see Philip. We see Philip preaching the gospel in Samaria in chapter in verses four, or excuse me, five through eight. It says Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip, and when they heard him and saw the sights that he did, he, for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So much joy in Samaria. Much pain in Jerusalem. A scattering resulting in the much joy in another community. This is God spreading His people like seed. Spreading his people like seed. So why Samaria? Because God was removing the prevailing prejudice of the Jewish faith in that day. Those that were coming to Christ thought that Christ was theirs and theirs alone. And then they had to be kind of thrust out. They had to be pushed away. And God had to clean their heart of a prevailing prejudice which they had for the Samaritans. And so God was doing that all the way back when Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. Also, we notice in this text that the Samaritans heard and saw from Philip. They heard and saw. You see, those two have to be the same. What people hear out of Christians and what people see in Christians has to be the same. It has to be identical. It has to be the gospel. And here they, they saw and heard from Philip and they were amazed and joy came to that place and joy was restored in a community when the gospel was actuated within their own lives did you catch that 
that's when joy is restored. That's when peace is restored. That's when people start once again moving forward. When the gospel is actuated. It's not simply talked about. It's, it's not simply pointed to. But it's actuated in the lives of the believers through seeing, through speaking, and through doing. And so I want to encourage you today to actuate the gospel within your homes, within your families, within your workplaces. Wherever you are today, wherever you find yourself today. Though maybe you have had a, a season of heartache, but maybe you're moving now because of that heartache and you're moving into new positions and in new places, you've kind of moved on from, a, from an old position in your life and you have to make a decision. You have to decide, am I going to be scattered like ashes or am I going to be scattered like seed? That choice is going to be up to you. You're going to determine that. I know God has a plan for you. God wants you to be, be scattered as seed, but if you choose to rebel, you choose to ignore God, you, your option then is to become scattered like ashes. And I pray today that you choose to allow God to bring life from your situation, that as you actuate the gospel and as you continue to, to preach the gospel and live out your faith in Jesus Christ, even though you're coming out of a place of pain or in your home there's pain, you continue to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ, God will use you as seed in his, wor- in his world and in the people's lives around you. And there's a few application observations that I want to make for you now that we've kind of dealt with the text a little bit. You've seen kind of what's going on. I just have a few thoughts to share with you, and we'll keep these brief. The first one is, is that something that I, helps me deal with times of, of difficulty and challenge is that Jesus said that it would be like this. What they were experiencing in the first century, Jesus had already told them. And so they, they had this idea that Jesus told us it was going to be like this, and now it is. And they, they didn't act shocked that, that, that we read in the text. It wasn't as though Philip you know, went away from Jerusalem and went and hid somewhere and, and got mad at Jesus and abandoned his faith. But he probably realized, like Stephen did... Um, that Jesus had already given him an example to follow. I think that's one of the reasons why Philip went to Samaria, because of the example set by Jesus. And so he had realized, most likely, I, I can't put thoughts or words in his mouth, but, but he, he was living out in such a way that would lead me to believe that he understood that Jesus said it would be like this. In Luke chapter 21, verses 12 through 13, we read this, before, But before all this, they will lay hands, excuse me, lay their hands on you and persecute you, deliver you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This they this will be, notice verse 13 very carefully, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Did you catch that? Jesus says, listen, you are going to get arrested because you preach the gospel. You are going to be hated because you preach the gospel. People are going to come against you because you preach the gospel. And Jesus says, this will be your opportunity. So when I look at our church right now and I think of the impact that we can make on people's lives by finally getting on board with doing what many churches had been doing for a long time and bad on me. But as we finally got on board, if you're listening today, that the scattering and the inability to meet like we normally meet forced us to do certain things that allows us to connect with you, and we're so thankful. It's been our opportunity. When people come to you and they want to push against your faith in Jesus Christ, it is your opportunity to lovingly and respectfully speak to them about the reasons why you believe in your faith. And so when you are in this position where life has become very, very challenging for you, life is very hard for you, 
things are becoming unbearable for you, I pray that you will remember that Jesus has told us that in this world we will have trouble, but in those troubles, it is your opportunity to bear witness of Jesus Christ. He also says in John chapter 12, verse 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus was referring to himself, but he was also referring to his disciples. That how much are we looking today at these people who went through this amount of tragedy that's laid out in Acts chapter 8, yet they are feeding us and they're encouraging us. They're calling us to stand up in the midst of the troubles that we face. That we are looking at them as fellow human beings say that in the first century you managed to rise up to the occasion. And here in the 21st century we will, as the church of Jesus Christ, rise up to this situation because it is our opportunity and we will let things go and we will sacrifice to, to release all the things that maybe we want or we think we should have. We will be a people that die to ourselves and live to Christ and as we die we will produce good fruit. We also notice an observation that we can apply this text to our life is that God rules over what scatters the church. I'll say that again. God rules over what scatters the church. John Piper says, God rules over the suffering of the church and causes them to spread spiritual power and the joy of faith in a lost world. So as we're looking at the things, as annoying as it might be, it is, it is, I, I hear on a daily basis the, the, the struggle that people are having and the things that are coming into their life because the world now, or at least I'm not going to speak for the world, but our community and in here in California, we live under such fear such a crippling fear that there are so many problems. All you're hearing on the news is the problem with, with, the, with the virus. But what about all the other problems that are caused by a crippling fear that people are now experiencing? And there's much heartache over that. But I want to tell you today, if you're dealing with heartache, maybe you're 100% physically healthy, but the fear that is going on in our culture today that that fear is causing problems in your life, I'm praying that God would reveal to you that he is ruling over that fear. And I realize it's so much easier to say than to do. And I don't want you to think that my, my words are somehow insensitive to the pain that you're feeling. And I don't want to sound cliche by saying that God will handle it. But if you hold on together and you do not give up on your faith, I believe that those things that we face somehow will produce a joy and a strength in your life. I believe it because I've been in those times and been in those seasons, experienced those things, and I know that if I just simply hold on, when there's a lot of reason to let go, but if I simply would hold on, good has come over allowing God to rule over the sufferings of our lives. And then finally, and we'll quit with this, you have to choose to be seed or ashes. It's going to be your choice. It might not be your choice what suffering comes into your life, but you're going to have to choose how to handle that. You know, it's interesting to me that persecution all through the early church and all the way through church history, even in our modern day church, that persecution and hardship is always the fuel that spreads the gospel, but yet it's what we avoid the most. It was in our text 
the persecution that spread Christianity all over that part of the world. In modern day examples of China and Iran, missionaries saying that that's the fastest spread of the gospel today is in China and in Iran. And you look and you think that's where the church is persecuted the most, where it's most dangerous to be a Christian. And yet it's where it's growing the fastest. We know that in the book of James, read that first chapter on your own. But when you read that, you'll discover that trials and hardships of various kinds are what produces personal character and growth in our lives. So I think we know that struggle produces character when we deal with it properly. But yet, in the Western world today, in America, hardships that is often referred to as the problem of evil is the biggest reason why people renounce their faith in Jesus. We have scholars such as Bart Ehrman. We have former Christian singers such as the lead singer for for Hawk Nelson, John Steingard, recently giving up his faith. And all across the board, we have these people that are giving up their faith because they they experience something in life that is so tragic, that is so horrible, that they just can't bring this idea of a loving God and and connect it to what they're seeing in their world, and and they, they give up on God. So when they see the worst that man can do to man, when they see the worst that humanity has to offer, instead of bringing God into that, they blame God for that and walk away from God and continue to participate in the humanity that causes the hardship to begin with. So the problem of evil, it is no wonder for me. It is not confusing at all that if I look at the spiritual world and I see Satan and I see God and I see that this kind of the enemy of our soul keeping us away from that which is going to cause our growth. As God wants to use the suffering of our lives and the suffering of the world to produce growth and character and the spread of the gospel, Satan will use that very same thing to try to draw people away from himself, from God and unto himself. So you have to choose today. We live in a very difficult world. There's nothing that's going to change that for the immediate. God will eventually, through the church, God will eventually restore all things. We read that in the book of Revelation. But until God does that, the kingdom of God is growing through hardship as God spreads His people out as seed. You can be that seed. Or you can choose to be spread out as ashes. That's your choice today. Father, I pray today for all those that are listening, all those that are watching. I pray, Lord, that you would enable them because we do live in difficult times. There are specific challenges, some people going through extreme hardships because not only the virus, but the fear and the reaction to it and the politicizing of it and and all that comes along with that. And Father, we know that there, there is so much chaos and such a disturbance and such a mess. But Father, what an opportunity for the church to be able to spread the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. May they, through the church, Lord, not only hear it, but see it in our lives. And Father, I know that there's this problem of evil that is so pervasive 
that the work that you did on the cross through your son Jesus is being lived out amongst the church. And in the middle of all of this, Father, you are bringing life through death. It's one of the major motifs of your word, Father. And we are to live in that and we, and we are to embrace that as hard and as difficult and as trying as that is. And Father, we would not choose to do and to be and to be in some situations that we find ourselves today. We would not have chosen to be treated in certain ways. But Father, we can either be spread out like ashes or we can be spread out like seed. I believe you're asking us to make that choice today. And I pray for your people that you would strengthen and encourage them, that you would move close to them, that your spirit would fill them and give them power and grace and comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time.